Pastor Xavier Reese and the simple truths for the path to victory. The wise thing to do if we're going to run the race is to be self-disciplined and to discard all the weights that will weigh us down, slow us down, and impedes us and encumbers us. I don't think you've ever seen a runner in the Olympics run with combat boots or a winter coat. Put off as a runner anything that would encumber his running. Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. With our global economy also comes a slew of global threats, dirty bombs, constant terrorist threats and attacks, and domestic crime rates seem to be ever-climbing. Is there any hope? Today, from his continued study series in the book of Hebrews, Pastor Xavier presents a clear path amidst the rubble in a message titled, Run to win the race. Let's listen. As we look to our world today, it's very obvious that many have lost hope in life. Therefore, we are witnessing many acts of despair, such as suicide, murder, uh, acts of uh, treacherous betrayal to family, promiscuity, destructive living, uh, lifestyles that are just senseless violence, assaults, acts of terrorism. All of these indicate that there's no hope. Tomorrow is not worth living for. But the believer is called to live with great hope. In fact, a living hope according to Peter, blessed hope according to Titus, good hope according to Thessalonians, sure and steadfast hope as we've seen in Hebrews, and a better hope in Hebrews 7.19. The Christian is to be the greatest optimist, never ignoring the negative things, but always being the optimist because of who's on the throne. Hope manifests perseverance, as you know, and perseverance manifests patience, and patience refines itself under trials, Romans 5, 1 through 5. The Christian life is not a bed of roses. The Christian life is not one where you kick back. The Christian life is the most difficult of all lives. It's a call to die to self and live for Christ. Now, this is the topic of the author now, returning, having introduced this at the end of chapter 10 in verse 36 through 39 where he says for you have need of endurance so that after you have done the will of God you may receive the promise for yet a little while and he who's coming will come and will not tarry now the just shall live by faith but if anyone draws back my soul has no pleasure of him but we are not of those who draw back to perdition but those who believe in the saving of the soul now remember the practical section That where the rubber meets the road is found from chapter 10, verse 19, to chapter 13, verse 25. So we had the person of Christ, the work of Christ, now we have the life of Christ. Christianity is not just intellectual embracement. It is an application to life. And if we don't live what we declare we believe, then we're hypocrites, we're Pharisees above Pharisees. It's where the rubber meets the road. Now, the chapter division here is unfortunate for these verses of chapter 12, verse 1 and 3 are really the climax of the preceding chapter. Jesus is our hope, the source of our hope for all things, for all times. So the author of the book of Hebrews here tells these Hebrews that the life of faith is actualized in endurance through the hardships by a life of submission, obedience, and self-discipline. 
And so here he goes on to tell them how to run the race to win, which results in giving them hope. Let me read here. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin that so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostilities from sinners against himself, lest you be become weary and discouraged in your souls. How to run the race that will result in hope is revealed by, first of all, in verse 1, the believer is to make proper preparations for the race. Second, verse 2, the believer is to mark the proper focal point to finish the race. And then in verse 3, the believer is to make a proper assessment of his sufferings in the race. These things are great for me to understand and to know while I'm running the race. Notice the believer is to make proper preparations for the race. This is good common sense. First, the believer is to learn from the past heroes of faith, he says here. Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, you might read it in view of the fact that these Hebrew Christians were surrounded by the witness of all these men and women of faith who had endured, who had witnessed the ability to live the life of faith. The word therefore is the conclusion of all that has preceded in the previous chapter here of faith. Specifically, the last two verses of chapter 11. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise, God having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. The plural pronoun, mark it well, is used. The author includes himself once again as he has before. Therefore, we, we too, on our part, it's emphatic. He includes himself. There is no exception. So these Hebrew Christians are confronted with their immediate, listen, obligation to change their attitudes and actions to a life of faith by others' examples, self-discipline and obedience in faith, which in turn would give them what? Hope. Now, you can't miss the imagery of an amphitheater here. It's emphatic with a so great a cloud of witnesses. But we should not think them as onlookers. The text does not teach that. I've heard sermons. Oh, these guys are great and they're looking on you and look at you. They're embarrassed of you, this and that. And aren't you ashamed? Of, you know, they're not looking on. That's not what the text is teaching. The word witness is martus, as you know. It's the same word as martyr. But the context means that they provided the proof and evidence of the life of faith. They're a witness to us. It's not what they are doing. It's what we are doing and recognizing in their lives. It is what we see in them, not what they see in us, as one commentator put it. <laughs> These Hebrew Christians had begun but I'd made little progress going forward in the race, as you know. Losing hope, 
He's given many warnings. Chapter 3, verse 12 through 13. Don't depart from the living God. And, and he speaks about the lethargical spiritual state and, and, and being spiritually deaf and blind and, and just complacent. Dangers. And so these men and women of faith gave evidence of hope as participants, not as spectators. Well-intended sermons, but bad theology. <laughs> Notice the believer is to learn to put off anything that slows him down. Let us lay aside every way the, the sin which so easily ensnares us. So these Hebrew Christians were called to lay aside every weight in order to be like what? The heroes of faith of chapter 11. In preparation of what? The race. This is practical perspective. The word weight was used of excess body weight to be removed for proper training to run. It appears only this time, and several words will appear only one time in the New Testament in these three verses and found nowhere else. The metaphor again is the race. So it is dealing with the believer to put off as a runner anything that would encumber his running to win, be it excess weight, garments, anything that would cling to him, hinder him, impede him, or slow him down in the race. I don't think you've ever seen a runner in the Olympics run with combat boots or a winter coat. You wouldn't have to be too smart to say, this guy's not looking to win. <laughs> Notice this is an imperative command. Let us lay aside. The command is the same time. Listen, though it's an imperative command, at the same time, it is a voluntary obedience. There's the mind blower. You're not a robot. God does not force you. I don't think God sent the angel bus over to your house and honked for you to come to church this morning. <laughs> you have to come on your own. The idea is once and for all, again implying the ability to do so, which makes us accountable. We're busted. If God asks you to do something, then he gives you the ability to do what he asks. And so these Hebrew Christians were called to lay aside the sin that so easily ensnared them also. Now, this is personal perspective. Look into my own life. The phrase easily ensnared means readily or cleverly or clinging close to us. That which, is, which we are inclined to, be it of temperament, weakness, or environment. What is it that pulls me away from Christ? What is it that distracts me? This word again only appears this time. The only time in the New Testament. The sin that keeps stumbling me and keeping me from running well. Uh, look at chapter 11, verse uh, 25. Moses says, uh, Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin for a season. That's what it means. It's a voluntary choice. I need to know what is going to hinder me. What hurts my running. Now some believe in this context it is the sin of unbelief for these Hebrew Christians. But the context does not limit it, nor does it indicate any particular sin. Though unbelief certainly could be included, but there's nothing in the text to indicate any particular. It's whatever. What is it that keeps you from running that race? 
You fill in the blank. The believer is to learn to run with diligence. Look at the end of verse 1. And let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. These Hebrew Christians were called to run with endurance the race. This is the passionate perspective. Passion. All your might. Not just trotting. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm in a race. I mean, when somebody's in a race and they're running, you know if they want to win. This is once again an imperative command. Don't miss it. The putting away of the sin is an act, aorist tense. Having laid aside that weight of sin, recognizing what it is and having laid it aside, then let us present, keep on continuously running. Now that I've laid it aside, I can run. I'm going to keep on running. You understand? The running is continuous, accompanied with endurance. The word here, endurance, means steadfastness, constancy, a sustaining perseverance. So the race of these Hebrew Christians that they were to consider encompass their entire life. It's not a sprint. It's not even a marathon. It's all your life. You cannot stop running. Listen, listen. You have problems, you fix them while you're running. You have a rock in your shoe, you fix it while you're running. Don't sit on the sidelines. It's easier to hit a target that's standing still than one that's moving. <laughs> Satan's like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. Notice the responsibility of the Hebrew believers was to run diligently the race of faith. Listen, here it is, with stamina. You know what stamina is? That means you don't get tired. It means you got good wind. <laughs> Endurance. How do you get there? By practice. By running. Not by saying you're going to run. You know, a lot, a lot of people have treadmills. Oh, you know, you should do that. Oh, yeah, I have a treadmill. <laughs> well, do you use it? I've thought about it. <laughs> How long have you had? Oh, I bought it last year. Whoa. These Hebrew Christians were to run the race. Each of them, listen, had been assigned. Each of them had been assigned a course. The course is personal. It's custom made for each person. The phrase set before us. The phrase has the idea of a certain kind of race stretched out before the runner's eyes. He sees it. He understands it. It's his. I cannot run your course. I can run mine, though. You cannot run mine, but you can run yours. When I went through in my accident, some of you say, oh, I don't know if I could do that. You probably couldn't, so God won't put you through that. But he'll put you through other things that will show you what a creep you are and how much you need him. Your course is so custom made, it will show you everything that you need to depend on Christ. It could be one of running alone to equal a certain speed. Not a race of many that often we think about. Because you know why? We're not in competition. The Bible says don't compare yourself among yourself lest you be unwise. You run the course that God has given to you and know that you're able to run it. The one that would reveal all your weaknesses and all your needs of Jesus Christ. The course of the race Listen, would not be easy. 
Get out of your mind that the Christian life is easy. That's one of the problems I have with much evangelism today. It isn't gospel. It's, are you tired of your life? Do you feel empty? That's not gospel. Do you see that you're a sinner in need of a redeemer, separated from God because of sin, under God's wrath, and his love as he sends his son for you? There's gospel. I wonder how many people are coming to an altar call because they're being offered donuts and jelly rolls and not the gospel. Hmm. The Hebrews Christian here would have to run continuously, persevering with all diligence against all the obstacles, temptations, the test, the hindrances, even persecution unto death. As the many examples of chapter 11 that made them responsible. It's inescapable from that record of chapter 11. They were busted. The goal is obtainable. You understand? <laughs> the word reis agon, you're familiar with it. It's an athletic term. It speaks of a contest. We get our word agony from it. Agonize. There are many terms and metaphors that are used in this book as well as the New Testament. Chapter 5, verse 14, 1032, 1033, 1133, here in 12, 4, 12, 11. They all are metaphors or terms of athletic terms or cognitive terms that associate with them. The Christian life is one of diligence. You don't kick back. You give your all. You look to Jesus, as we'll see. When I competed in gymnastics... I had a warm-up jacket and pants, and as I warmed up, I had them, and I swung around P-bars and all that, and I said, but I was ready to compete, and I lifted my hand up, and then the judges nodded, that was it. And all I had was my long pants and the T-shirt that clung to me with suspenders so that nothing got in my way, and I could swing, do handstands, do the different tricks and everything else, and wouldn't hinder me from competing. I didn't wear a winter coat. I wanted to win, and I did win. Have you ever won anything when you're competing? It's a great feeling. And you never want second place. I never competed to get the silver. I always competed to get the gold. How important is it to look to good, godly examples who have run the race of life and faith, as Hebrews 11. Read some good biographies, uh, Moody, Wesley, Finney, Livingston, men of all. Pick up one, read one a year. 100, 200 pages, no big deal. The book of Jesus Freaks, catalog of people's lives from the times of Rome to present day. Men, women, children, teens who have been martyred for their faith up to the present day, depending on Jesus so that you might have hope. Look in the contemporaries as a model of faith who are living out their faith in Christ so that you might come alongside and rub elbows. The wise thing to do if we're going to run the race is to be self-disciplined. 
and to discard all the weights that will weigh us down, slow us down, and impede our progress. That's why Paul says in 1 Corinthians 9, 24 to 27, that he, he, he beat himself. He didn't, he, he, he didn't beat the air, shadow boxing, but he gave himself black eyes to keep his body under, lest he be disqualified. There's nothing worse than training, 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 disciplining, denying self, and then being disqualified. It's a regret you can't live with. You protect those boundaries. You protect those rules. Not all that impedes us and encumbers us to run well is sin or wrong in itself. It's just not the best thing to do. If you're running and you want to run the Olympics, you don't eat ice creams every day. Pizza. Now, there's nothing wrong with ice cream and pizza, but if you're an Olympic runner... It, it, it's going to hinder you. Why would you want to do that? You're defeating your own purpose. It could be spending too much time at the golf course, basketball, baseball, in front of the boot tube. You fill in the blank. Nothing wrong of it in itself, but the priority and the proportion are slowing you down from running, distracting you. The immediate thing to do if we are running is to lay aside that sin that so readily then and cleverly clings to me. That which I am inclined to yield to and I must reckon the dead, reckoning the old man dead, Romans 6, 6 and 6, 11. Take his ugly head off. It could be your anger. You say, well, I'm, I'm, I'm Latin. Well, that's a personal problem. Everybody comes out to their heritage. Deal with it in the spirit. Could be bitterness. Could be gossip. Could be lust. Today with modern technology, pornography. You're a slave. Could be pride, love of money. Fill in the blank. What is that particular sin that you're inclined to that grabs a hold of you constantly? Deal with it in the spirit. The keys to run the race assigned to us with perseverance diligently. And Paul gives us how to do that in Philippians. You're familiar with the text of Philippians 3, 12 through 14. Let me give you three principles on those verses. In verse 12, proper perspective. Listen. Not that I've already attained or I'm already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ also has laid hold on me. I have not arrived as long as I'm here. Real simple. <laughs> Then you have proper actions in the next verse, 13. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended, but one thing I do, forgetting those things that are behind and reaching forward to the things that are ahead. Forgetting those things behind, reaching forward to the things that are ahead. Too many Christians are enamored with their past and they can't run. And other Christians are so bound by their past, they live in condemnation. Listen, your sins have been buried in the deepest ocean. What is your problem? When you leave here, I want you to get in your car and start drive away looking backwards. You're going to make an insurance claim. Why are you running the Christian race that way? The last verse, 14, proper dil diligence. I press towards the goal for the pride for the upper call of God in Christ Jesus. I press. Passion. Diligence. The believers to make proper preparations for the race. 
You running? You in the race? Are you making preparations? Pastor Xavier Reese with the simple truths on the path to victory. And as always, you can hear this message again, if you like, online anytime by selecting today's date at the radio listings link at calvarychapelpasadena.com. And we'll have more from this study right here next time as well. Or you can always pick up your own CD copy of this message. And the title you want to ask for is Run to Win the Race. We have them available for only $4. So once again, that title is Run to Win the Race or simply mention today's date. You can request your copy by writing Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. Or to make your request by phone, call 800-926-1485. Again, that's 800-926-1485. Or the address once again is Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, 91107. And it's helpful when you include the call letters of this station when you get in touch. This helps us track the effectiveness of this ministry in your area. Is victory in this life possible? That's coming up when you join Pastor Xavier Reese for the next edition of Simple Truths. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. www.calvarychapelpasadena.com